This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Wednesday, March 20th, 2019. I'm at GDC, and my guest is Scott Stein of CNET. Hi, hey. Scott. Hey, how are you doing? I'm great to be here again. Yes. After, I don't know how it's been a year since the... It's been ex- almost a year. I mean, basically, it. I think we're going to make this a thing. Yeah. If you're okay with it. I love it. I hope, know, I, can, I hope I can come to GDC every year. Let's make it, let's try to make it happen. And if you okay. can't, you know, we can do it remotely. So don't worry. That's true. Okay. That's, so, that's a good point. So last year I had Scott on the show for GDC and we're doing this again. Yeah. And, and it should be really fun. So it's day... Three, technically? I don't even know anymore. It's Wednesday. I couldn't even guess what the previous day was one day before that. Like th- time is compressed and dilated at the anyway, same time. Anyway, we have enough to talk about where yeah. Google launched some stuff. You know, there's some Oculus stuff. There's some Qualcomm stuff on the list. So yeah. let's dive right in. I think the biggest news... Oh, and also there's some Apple stuff, unrelated. Oh, yeah. And there's right? Apple stuff throughout the week. Yeah. The, so they've been dropping stuff every day this week mm-hmm. because they have this big event next week. Yeah. That is all going to be about the cloud. And so they're dropping all their hardware news, which has never happened. No. And they're it's like calling, a totally inside out approach. It's they're like emailing us in the evening saying, get on a phone call in the morning. It's it's whacktastic. Well, it's, it's just a lot of morning press releases and we're all catching up to it. And it's a it's a lot of hardware news. And that means that there's probably going to be some pretty big news on Monday for their services strategy. Yeah, they want to clear the room. Uh, just, you know, of course, there's also Huawei's news next week, which won't matter to the US, but it's going to matter to yeah. the rest of the world. I'll actually be there. I'll be in Paris for it. That's cool. Well, Huawei leads the pack with uh, with hardware ideas. I mean, I, last year, their phone introduced stuff that we have now seen in other phones, like rear charging, Yeah. Uh, you know, through the back. And, uh, and yeah, that phone was actually fascinating, the P20. Um, so, and then the Mate 20 after that, which I'm using as a backup recorder right now. Yeah. So dive into the Google thing, because to me, I'm super, I don't know how you feel, because I haven't seen you. I saw you Monday night. I know. And I haven't seen you since Tuesday morning's announcement from Google. Yeah. Google launched this thing called Stadia. Yes. And Stadia is, is an interesting name. I think there's a lot we can talk about there. But, yeah, definitely. But to me, it, it kind of has that stadium, you know, a community building sports thing going on at the Absolutely. same time. You know, this yes. kind of like, it's like Lexus. You kind of know what it means, but it doesn't really exist as a word, but it implies something. Luxury for Lexus. It's interesting we say you that know? because it's true. Between the logo and, and people talk about like maybe 90s look, but the logo and the clean look does have kind of a car design type feel. But, it, you know, it sounds Greek. It has the uh, the feeling of both esports or competitive play yeah but also like greek i think about like greek theater yeah right gladiators or greek theater community (laughs) uh we've all come together there's definitely something like performing about it um or performative so uh i was at that uh press event fascinating i wish i had been able to play a demo so so let's let's get into what we know and what we don't know yeah and i'll actually before we go there i want to get you get your initial reaction like so i was I actually decided to stay home watch the live stream just because they couldn't guarantee me a spot and you yeah. know 
live streams are so good nowadays. Like, oh yeah, it's basically. And I was like, I can sleep an extra hour and be in my PJs. Like, yeah, not, not a bad, not a bad deal. The only thing you missed was waiting online and well, like, seeing all you folks, which is always yeah. like the social aspect. I also right? forgot that I was on the stream. Like, I think someone tweeted me a picture of me like <laughs> checking my phone on the stream because like, I was tweeting. At least you weren't picking your nose. I that's so what I was go, worried right? would happen. I know it's like it's just the luck of the draw when you. So was like. When as it I was as it was unraveling, what sure. were you thinking? Were you excited? Were you skeptical? Were you like, oh, of course you do that? Because a lot of that for me, I had all those feelings. Yes. Yeah, so I have a lot of nested thoughts. First, I thought, oh wow, you know, outside they had that little mini museum pop up display case at GDC where they showed all these classic game consoles. They showed the Power Glove, even they showed uh, Atari consoles, and then this glass case that said, you know, coming soon. Ah, yeah. So I thought whoa, how ambitious is this going to be? I knew it was going to be streaming, and we saw the controller, but I started to think, like... It's a console. Will there be a VR headset? Will oh, it be yeah, a console? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, well, it's going to be a whole new control scheme. So I, I, I thought, okay, well, there's not that. But I, I was super impressed by, of course, you know, they're showing all the executives on stage. Jade Raymond leading Stadia's uh, first... being a first-party game development studio. She's got incredible cred and um, Assassin's Creed and everything else, so... Uh, that actually was, was a, a nice icing on the cake. That was cool. She had just been at the New York um, Game Critics Awards in New York, and I'd met her. Uh, she won a, a big achievement award at that, and she's, I mean, just following her throughout the years. So that was cool. It lent a lot of credibility. Phil Harrison, everything else, um, all the companies, id. Um, I used to be, do on live back in the day. Right. And, like, I played the beta on iOS went before they never released it. And, and um, The Shield and streaming games through NVIDIA. So I've seen this before. I, I believe in the potential, but also will it work reliably? Um, so then hearing about that and the promises was exciting. The third part that I thought was really interesting was this whole YouTube hopping into worlds. I think that's the most fascinating part. That is the part. That's the story I still want to write and haven't been able to. But it, it well, turned only Wednesday. Right. There's time. Right? <laughs> I was like, it's all over. And um but it turned my head inside out a little bit. And I think that's the coolest thing that can happen at a show when you're already thinking big ideas and they make you think something different. So that was really cool. That whole machine learning uh, art tool, like some things I tweeted, people got so excited about where you could put different art styles into games. And this was like ready player one crazy, you know, right? totally. this is the stuff yeah. where you're like, what the hell? <laughs> this is the, this is the future, you know, holy shit. Like you, you're looking at like, it's turning into Van Gogh, skinning, and Pac-Man. It's sort of stuff you do on your, your phone, maybe, but like now it's a whole game is being skinned this way. Yep. Who knows what that means? So, so many cool ideas, but I want to play it. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think the big thing is, I think for me, the takeaway is the proof's going to be in the pudding, as yes, they say, right? Yes, yes. But I do, I do want to kind of go through what they really announced. So, what did they announce? They announced, they started first off with the idea, what if you could just hit a button a link and stream and basically start playing a game on any web browser. Well, in this case, Chrome. Based right. Web well, they browser. suggest the way they made it look and, and it's going to be Chrome based, but they, they made it look, they said, you know, any laptop, tablet, phone, TV, and they set the ball all well, up. Well, with Chrome. I with that's, Chrome. That's the big thing here, right? Right. So we need Chrome. And, but they didn't, in the demo, they didn't make it that apparent that that was the conduit. They talked about it, but they just made it look kind of more like the magical thing. With Chrome, with a TV, would be a Chromecast Ultra would be the way that you would you'd stream. And then, yeah, you, you, you'd switch between the devices, which is nice. So you'd resume on another um, and, and keep playing. 
Yeah. So that to me immediately, I was like, okay, so it's the streaming part I'm confident with because I feel like if anyone in the world can pull this off, assuming you have an internet connection that can handle it, which I actually think should be feasible for most people, at least 1080p 60. I think so. uh, I think Google is a company who can pull it off. Right. I think it'll be possible. I thought about this. I really feel that there's only one company in the world who can pull this off right now. What about Amazon? No. No. Because they don't have the client side of it. Okay. Okay. They're a good CDN, right? They, AWS is a good conduit to provide live video to people who are, you know, a content provider like Netflix. Right. But I'm not quite sure they own that, that customer side. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Google. Like Amazon owns the customer side on selling, selling stuff on their store. Right. I also think Microsoft. Could. Microsoft could. And looks like they are in terms of streaming plans and ambitions. So that's another. But, but Microsoft's going to have that conflict that a lot of companies have when they switch, like, you know, a lot of conflicts like BMW and Mercedes have about making EVs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not even talking about the politics of the, you know, oil um, lobbies here and, you know, that. But just, they have to, like... The sheer amount of hardware. They have, they have bread and butter with the existing hardware. Yeah. It's hard to flip the switch and go, forget all that. Right. We're going to move over to, you know, and, and basically turn everybody's Xbox into, an, into a dumb streamer box, right? Right. Like, when it's actually much, much smarter than that, right? So, so they have, I think... With Sadia at the helm, they could flip that switch instantly almost and go like, forget it, we're doing this now and be competitive. But right. I you're right, they're probably the only ones. Amazon could if they had a, like maybe through the fire stuff, but I don't know. It's possible. And it does. So this is also stuff we, we expect that um, I would expect that companies are going to keep heading towards. We've talked about the console console for a while and you know, this, this may be, this model may be replicated by a lot of people. So you might start seeing like a lot of stuff entering the space. I think the hybrid, you're right though. I think the hybrid element might be really interesting too, because I don't really want to play necessarily everything in the cloud. Hardware is pretty cheap and a lot of stuff can play things. And as much as the streaming is really exciting, as somebody tweeted this morning, Jason Schreier, I think, but it was something I've been thinking about that, um, you know, he goes back home and plays Baba Is You, which is a great, <laughs> a great new game on the Switch. Totally low, lo-fi, indie, pixel, great game. Because we have that now. Like, so there are so many lo-fi games that it, that's my favorite part of the gaming movement. You know, you don't need great streaming for that. But maybe it's a yes and in the improv well, world. Well, you know, like, like it's, you know, it's both of those I think, things. I think that, that the two could merge. It would take some technology. Yeah. But I think it'd be amazing if it was a hybrid that could scale. In real time. Right. 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 So, so if your internet connection starts falling, yeah. you know, some of stuff gets offloaded to the GPU and FCPU on your phone because it's, it has the, it's been able to stream the binary and cache it in the background. Split processing. This and is going to lead into Qualcomm. I know. It's I'm like, gonna have a, okay, yeah. there we go. Perfect. Yeah. So, but yeah. my point is, I think what, the reason I was bringing up first, the idea, okay, so the first thing they presented was you click on a link and, and more importantly, you can share links on anything that bring you not just into a game that instantly streams, but into any point in a game with a specific state and instantly streams. And yes. that is a pretty big tour de force. No, it's crazy. And that's what the cloud buys you, right? So that's what the cloud buys. And it also buys the ability to have, this is the other mind bending thing, the beginning of like parallel instances. And they were talking about couch gaming that- And the know, return of like split screen, right? right? Split yeah, screen, yeah. you're all getting a different- uh, <laughs> You're, you're, you're all getting server love and your uh, game center love. You're all getting 
there's no compromise in split screen, so you could add as many people. You're all basically connecting independently, but you're all playing together and through the same pipeline, which is also trippy because there is like a parallel universe feel. You know, like as many GPUs as you need. They also talked about throwing multiple GPUs into games to change the way that rendering happens that wouldn't be possible on consoles. Or if you're going into other people's worlds through YouTube, which you can hop into now if they're streaming uh, or will be, then it feels like you could have these splinter worlds, like splinter universes. Yeah. Well, it's already happened. You know, you, you have like clone an entire new server of this game. Right. That would serve an entire new universe of the same game. And I guess it's already been like that with, parallel. with like, you know, uh, servers and multiplayer games for years. But you it starts to feel there's a virtual reality feel. And then there's a scalability feel. Yeah. And there's like, I think there's like a, you know, sci-fi matrix, very you know, matrix. metaverse, the ready of, player one, you know, like super, this yeah, is happening. It is. And it's like, there's no headset, but then I kept thinking, okay, well, well this is you Google. Just add that. You just add that. And when they said 4k 60 right now, 4k 60 frames per second, they take 8k. Then they said there, 8k right? 120. And I don't know, whenever I hear 8k, I don't think about a TV. I think about a headset. Yeah. Because, you know, like... You know that's what they were talking about. That's what they're talking about. So then it's like... Who the, needs freaking AK on their TV? Right, who's getting AK TV? You're talking about... And super high frame rate, you're talking about immersive worlds. And down the road, maybe not now, but in years to come with 5G and everything else and this stuff... Yeah, that's probably what it's we're getting to. It's interesting they didn't say the word 5G a single time. No. Because I think this is actually one of the few times where 5G is going to make this possible on the go. It will. And I think that what they're saying is, and this is what companies are having to deal with, Microsoft, Google, you're seeing this everywhere, Qualcomm's announcement this week. People have to find solutions without 5G because the deployment's going to take time. For sure. Yeah, and so and, and some people just won't have it. So, like, it's cool that they're saying everyone's got to think about a way to make it work without 5G, and then 5G will just help glue it all together and improve it, is what the realistic, instead of saying, like, 5G is the magic wand, Boom, you have the future. You know, They're it's like, like here's an application yeah. and if we add 5G to it, it's like adding a turbocharger to your car, right? Boom. Right. And that's and, what it is. It's like it magic is. turbo yeah. glue yeah. that will make everything so happen. So to me that was that was like the streaming thing I think they can pull off. I love the idea of entering and sharing states and parallel universe, all that stuff we talked about. But to me, there's an entire aspect that is why I think Google is the only company you could pull this off mm-hmm. as a whole, not just the streaming part. And that's the YouTube tie-in because mm. Microsoft does not right. have a media platform. Amazon no. does, but it's not no. at YouTube level. It's not a creator. It's not a community-based video platform, right? right? And then finally, Google Assistant, which we all know is the best AI in the world and AI assistant in the world. So, so now you can, you know, the control actually has a, that's that blue as an assistant button. Has an assistant button and a built-in mic. I expected brilliant. that it would have that. I was like, that, it's, it's cool, but it's like, yeah, they've got to do that. So, so yeah. the controller basically to me it's, there's nothing to it. I mean, I think it's fine. I, right. I, I and you don't even have to use you know, it. it. It's just that, to me, that's what makes the controller, right? It's it's like they said that, that they, when they showed the thing where you're you're trying to play the game and you can't solve the puzzle and you keep dying and you finally hit the Google Assistant button, you say, hey, Google, how do I get over that, that boss in, yeah. you know, whatever... Uh, whatever game and it brings it gives you choices of videos it was the right? prima guide oh. it's like it's like the prima guide. it's like the little it's the walkthrough guide built into the game so <laughs> that that was really cool yeah so so to yeah. me that's that's kind of what i think is so not copyable by anyone else mm-hmm. you need those ecosystems in place and 
you know, yes, Microsoft has Cortana, but it, we all know it's not as good as, as Google because it just doesn't have the data. Machine, yeah. the reason a lot of people don't understand, and you know this, but I'm trying to assist with the audience, right? A lot of people just don't understand that. The more data you have, the better your AI. And Google has more data about everything and anyone because, you know, they've been giving, you know, we've been giving it to them with our Google Gmail and calendar. And I think it's beneficial. I benefit so much from that data I give them back from getting services that are very useful to me and make my life better. But at the same time, you know, look at the fo Google Photos, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, like if I ever switched to an iPhone, you know, I don't think I would use iCloud for photos. I would use iCloud for my backups, of course. Yeah. But I think I would use Google Photos because simply because I can type in, find all the pictures of dogs oh, yeah. in no, July 2017. Its ability to tag is great. And it's there and it's cross-platform and it's it's incredibly easy to use. And that's because they have billions of photos to look at so they can classify everything. Well, like Google for me, that whole assistant tie-in and the YouTube tie-in is a huge power move and full of potential. But I think everyone's also wondering at the same time, how do they control it? Or is there such a thing as control um, in the traditional way? Because we think about YouTube communities. Okay. It's that's, pretty crazy. It's that's a pretty, a pretty crazy complicated, world. Yeah. right? It's a crazy world right now. And now you're going to have not just streaming, but literally a kind of these interactive worlds. And again, maybe we're already, maybe we just admit we're already there. That is literally the internet. Like, we're already in a world full of crazy, fragmented social universes. But now just that YouTube could allow you to jump, in, allow you to jump into games that are interactive. And, and run this, in a browser. And run in a browser. any device pretty much that you have in your home. And with YouTube already being weird and, and, and having a lot of issues on Around a lot of levels. Privacy, security, and other privacy, stuff. Privacy, security, uh, content related. Um, moderation. Moderation. All that stuff. What do they do about that? Can they even do anything about that? And the same thing with assisting. You know, it's like, how do you know if I say you know, oh, get me through this level. Hopefully you get the right video. Hopefully you're not getting like some very like cleverly crafted prank evil, you know, they're saying like the kids are playing or whatever else, you know, just making sure that it's all on board. Well, they did show some well parental controlled. controls, which I thought was really cool. You're going to need to have that. You yeah. need to. I mean, but well, my it's point also is, so social. It's so, so super social interconnected. But you bring up a big, a big point yeah. is that in parallel to all the great technology that we speak on the show about all the time, the new phones and new hardware, which yeah. we're going to get into the whole hardware folks. Stay, yeah. stay tuned. Uh, uh, you have to remember, I'm an ex game developer. GDC matters to me. And Scott and I like to nerd out on this stuff. So. Yeah. But but I think there's a whole like society, culture, soci sociology aspect here that we've been struggling. Look at what's happening with Facebook and Google, you know, and, and, you know, some talk about breaking them up and stuff. And, and it's because, honestly, Facebook has effed up. Like, they have not, their business model goes against a common... In, in my opinion, common decency and ethics, you know, yeah. and, and, and they need to change that business model to incorporate that. And they're clearly are not willing to quite yet. They say they are, but I don't believe them yet because that's not how they think. And, how, and they have to break out. It's like flip that switch. As I was saying, like the old car makers going to electric and wanting to go all out. They're like, well, if you go, if we do this, it's going to break Facebook the way we have it now. And it's such a revenue cow. And I'm like, yeah, but. But you're hurting people. Yeah, but you you're have to. You're swinging yeah. elections. You're causing total chaos and mayhem in culture and society right now. Mm -hmm. And not in a, oh, we can recover from this kind of like, in a, we could go down a dark hole of sass here. Like, this is bad. Well, and just because a system works doesn't mean that that is a reason to keep it. You know, there, there, are, there are bad systems. 
there are systems that are like it's a spiral of destruction. Like you, you, you have to, you have to have controls over this stuff. We're in a very accelerating future, and like the problem with that is that things can get out of control very fast. And, and I think this is another example to, of yeah. once again technology is leapfrogging society and culture with this yeah. in a way we can't predict, right. and we know it's going to be a mess, and we know it's going to, we don't know what's going to happen. And I think we just have to go with it because you can't stop the future. To some degree, but then you have to try to stop something. It's, it's, it's a, it's yeah, tough, exactly. Right? It's a tough balance. It's you tough. can't just let go. But um, sometimes it feels like you're on the future log flume. Like that basically, that, that's my feeling about everything now. This initiative was, was big. I think um, when I get to demo it, um, I'm excited to think about it more and understand it more. So also, so swing it all the way back. It's, I think they say coming out. Later this year, more to come in the summer. I no, think no prices. More to either. come at IO. We're going to hear about this. We've got to yeah. hear about this. No, this at is IO a big IO one. Yeah. So, so. And maybe they might drop in at E3 or something. So you're like right. They might, so you're, they might pick some game, future game thing. You're right that not, right now there's a lot of questions. of pricing is a big question. Will it stream reliably for most people is a big question. Right. And not Better because play, of Google, yeah. but because of the ISPs yeah. and home connections people have that I, I, we know are not. I mean, I've worked very hard in my two residences to get a really good internet connectivity. Even then, I have issues. And I worked hard. But what I mean by that is but getting my own equipment, you know, be, you know, basically riding the ass of the companies when things aren't working. And I'm still not always getting the performance. 99% of the time, though, I have to say I'm at a point now where I can click on a YouTube video and stream it in 4K instantly really well in both locations. But on the go, that's also not the case. Right. So on the go, getting that 1080p, even 30 frames per second, is going to be a tough proposition. And on the go is the world we are in. Most people are not going to stay at uh, play this at home. They want to be doing this on the subway or whatever, right? Yeah. Well, you so, bring up a good point that um, for Google, this matters a ton. And so to that degree, I think uh, this is going to work. Because they need it to work, and they and it's not. If also, if you unpack it, um, that's that's it. Video streaming is one thing. Sure, this is gaming, but it's really simultaneous interactive streaming, and that is the part that matters to Google. There's stuff there that probably will go beyond gaming. Yeah, that, that will go well beyond gaming. For now, it's gaming because it's a high bandwidth. Uh, you know. You need to have your, your, your Twitch reflexes working perfectly. It's very unforgiving, but there's all sorts of ways that could be applied that have nothing to do with games that could matter for Google. So I think that that's, I mean, that's why, it's, that's I mean, why imagine everyone's on watching stage a, talking a, about a, it. Imagine watching a football game, and by football I mean soccer because I'm European, uh, and you can choose you know, the camera angle in real time. You can choose you know, all kinds of parameters in real time using this technology really it's not just a, i mean that's a very basic essentially game with a simple state machine yeah pick the camera right right <laughs> and you can as you and it's kind of already happening in the sense that you know uh it's telepresence but i think i think that to me what's exciting about this is that it's a platform and they're treating it for devs like a platform and they've created a new chip specifically for this in their data centers for mm -hmm. the hardware that can do 10 gigaflops and scales and can, you know, multi-scale and it's running on Linux and using Vulkan yeah. as a as a graphics API. I think that is why as a dev, ex-dev, this is where I'm kind of like, oh, I, I would want to be on board on this right now coding for this stuff because 
you know, it's it's only gonna get. And I, I think that in that sense, it's another platform. Like pe- the consumer sees it as a stream coming to them. Yeah. Yeah. But the developers, and this is why I think it's exciting for game developers. But the game developers, you now have essentially, you know, I- iOS and Android and mobile, and you have PS4, Xbox, you know, Switch, and uh, this new thing called whatever Stadia in the cloud, you know, gigaflop machine thing. And they're going to give you a dev kit that you don't have to run in the cloud. You can run on your desk to develop on. And I think this is, to me as a dev, this would be the thing. Like I would jump on this right now, like, and I'm, and that's why they're at GDC because they need the support of developers. And so that brings us the next big unknown is how many titles, how many studios, how many publishers are they going to get bought and how quickly we've already heard unity and, and unreal engine are going to be running on this hardware mm-hmm. and that's good, but that's just the engines. Now we need the, the titles. And you said, there's a few that were announced, but, but like, you know, and they have a studio they create. And that's the other thing I thought really good, interesting. Ga- ga- like Microsoft has a game studio. Google now has a game studio. That was very interesting. Wow. It's taken that long. I'm surprised because with Android, you think they would have done it a long time ago. Well, that might prove that they need to lead by example, too. That they, yeah. they know that they they need to make this happen and work. Um, devs, it's a really smart move at a conference like this because you're right. It's cross-platform. doesn't require hardware per se. Cloud-based, there's a lot of um, social tie-ins. I imagine game developers would be super excited to try to dive into this. Um, but the um, but the the way it changes game design is also interesting. A few developers I got talked to, like just casually, when I brought this up, started bringing up that um, the nature of this changes the way that they might make their games um, in ways that might freak them out, or the ways that might be a lot of possibilities. The the ways that you can jump into different instances. I, I feels like it's going to change game design. Well, it should. And that's exciting. Um, it might be a little bit threatening if somebody had like a big online social type of game yeah. that you wonder, oh, is this going to work with Stadia? Like, is this, I don't know. They'll be like, I don't know if that's going to make the right move. I'm curious about those types of games, which there are a lot, how they feel about making the move to Stadia and being like, will they feel co-opted or will they feel, um, you know, they're like, yeah, I don't know. I think, think we got our own thing going. Any developer right now who's, who's yeah. leading edge is not thinking of jumping into this and trying, trying, and de- and not just developers, but designers who are not like wanting to make that switch in their heads right now. You better make that switch in your head. Oh, I'm sure there's a ton. And yeah. he, here's it's the a pure, big, you know, it's a big statement and move. Forward. I wouldn't I be surprised if five years from now yeah. we have Stadia has developed into an ecosystem where you have VR goggles made by multiple companies like Android phones are that are running a custom ARM-based chip made by Google, who at that point will have acquired a chip maker that it can offload and scale in real time between the cloud and the device transparently, right? In the same way as Apple made their own ARM chips and we are getting a much better user experience and software experience and battery life from the smaller batteries, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And and I well, that, just, and yeah. this is where I think Qualcomm and we, we should probably switch to talking about them. We should definitely talk Qualcomm, about Qualcomm. Not at all being involved in this in any way, at least not officially being mentioned, worries me for them because I feel that you know we don't see Snapdragon chips on servers, mm-hmm. and they really need to go there because you know there's gonna as I said, if Google ever wants to make this ten gigaflop whatever chip scale down in size and power so that they can offload some edge 
processing to the to the edge to the devices right because bandwidth becomes crowded or they want to be able to scale dynamically they're not going to want to pay you know you know it's, it's going to be hard like to scale it if it's another complete chip design right like mm -hmm. you need and of course i'm sure it's arm based because arm is the most arm first of all arm rules the world and arms the most efficient thing even on servers so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the actual non-GPU part of these crazy custom chips they made for Stadia on their on their in their data centers are actually ARM-based. So there is it's some potential parity. But that's I think a chips, big yeah. deal that we, you know, we have to think about this. And I hope Qualcomm sees that as well. I'm gonna ask them that next time I'm at a big conference because you know, I don't see maybe they do have some ARM chips for servers that i'm not aware of but i don't think so i right now i know of snapdragon chips for for wearables for pcs the cx series for of course all the eight and seven and six four series for two series for phones and then you know there's some custom chips for vehicle uh, you know uh, car use and some custom chips for uh you know like maybe uh peripherals like you know the speakers and stuff but I'm not aware of them making server level chips. And, you know, ARM, part of the reason SoftBank bought ARM, in case you forgot, by the way, that a Japanese company owns ARM Holdings now, a Japanese company that is a, like a big, essentially cloud service company, because they're a carrier, but they do way more than that. It's interesting to me because ARM was pushing really hard a few years ago when I met with them, Simon Seegers and these guys at MWC, when I was in Gadget, they push really hard on ARM for servers. And so I think this is gonna be to be the, the big question mark is, where does Google go from here? Do they develop their own chip? Do they, or does Qualcomm provide some sort of chip that is compatible with the instance of what's in Stadia Cloud so that they can eventually do this kind of weird mixed thing? And maybe that's so, not gonna be needed. Maybe, maybe everything's gonna be so fast with 5G that we'll it's, it's all gonna be in the cloud all the time. So all these companies, no one, no one does things alone. Like all these companies are going to run in parallel. I think we see these trends replicate a lot of times and it looks like everybody's doing something at the same time. I'm looking at that trend of edge and cloud. Mm. Um, Microsoft, when I went out to Redmond and we looked at HoloLens too, and they talk about, Alex Kimmon talks about that edge cloud strategy that you got to have the intelligent edge and they believe in that, but they're building the cloud to do cloud rendering and the HoloLens 2 ideally is going to split that rendering. Yeah. And, and that they're going to have go. cloud rendering to improve the accuracy and the depth of what they can do. But they have the Qualcomm chip in that one too uh, that's in the, in the headset. Now, Qualcomm as well is working on designs for other, they announced at GDC, uh, VR standalone headsets with Snapdragon 845. That 855. 845. Oh, interesting. 845. They're always like a, a kind of step behind on the on the VR well, behind, XR, yeah. VR AR. Last year, and it's interesting because last year was eight forty five. I thought it would be eight fifty five. It's still eight forty five, um, and it has eight hundred two eleven AD. So huh. it's going to connect with PCs. Uh -huh. uh, they said that Pico Neo two will be the first headset that has that this year. So it's a standalone headset, standalone eight forty five headset, eight forty five. But then it can connect wirelessly to a PC. So it connects wirelessly, for higher performance. No computer. way. This is where it gets interesting. So it connects wirelessly with a PC to uh, you know Y gig. It's it's that high bandwidth, sixty gigahertz bandwidth, which I've been excited about for years. Back there, there were concept wearables. <laughs> yeah. I was telling people at the office, and they were like, "What are you talking about, Stein?" Like. 
I said, why gig? Because if you do that, then you have wireless connections for high bandwidth. Vive has done this on their VR. Uh, we've seen wireless VR that has done this already with these little attachments. But what's what's cool here is they can connect to a PC. Now the standalone could be a PC headset, which I haven't tried, but I'm going to soon. And um, it splits processing. This is the cool part. So ah. Qualcomm Qualcomm's going to have software running on PCs. There's going to need to be 802.11ad, and then the the processing split will will interchange that the graphics go go up to the headset. The A45 will handle a lot of the in headset and and also the um the the slam and room tracking like right. all this stuff will happen in the headset go back to the PC and there may be some other stuff too. It may not affect the GPU they said, but it might affect the CPU that you might not need. Of course, the GPU is what makes you upgrade to a beefier laptop. But I think that's really interesting and parallel. They they had said to me uh, Hugo Swart had talked to me about that like that the five G initiative which I talked about at Mobile World Congress yeah that they're doing split processing as well with mixed reality headsets that they want to have five G be out there so it goes back to Google high bandwidth stuff but stuff on that needs to be reliable locally yeah. that you can't screw up that needs to be edge so it's all out there that's happening and I think that Qualcomm to me. What it seemed like is they're trying to bridge that gap to 5G. Yeah. That there's going to be a similar identity. But it's funny because some of their stuff is plug into USB-C VR glasses. Others like this are wireless that connect to a PC. But, and I think about HoloLens and I think like devices are going to start moving to this edge cloud thing. And then Google, okay, hot potato there. What are you doing? Google's like, Google's business is the cloud. So I think they're building all the stuff to be super powerful on their end, probably knowing that the hardware edge cloud thing is not there yet. Right. But they are really counting on it to be. And that's what I'm saying. I and that's what you said. So I don't think that be, it's I'd device partnerships or yeah. that's an interesting thought though. Do they make their own chips? Like at this point with any company, why not? Apple's launching a streaming video I mean, service, trying to go remember, service. Arm Apple does could not be, make Google chips. could be doing hardware. Arm licenses architectures. Right. This is the whole point of the arm. That's why arm has taken over the world because right. anybody can take arm and tweak it. Qualcomm did it. The Creo is a tweak of the standard arm, whatever, you know, 57. I don't know. I can't keep track of them in the numbers, but, but you know what I'm saying? And that I think that if you look at Apple, this is probably the, they're probably the most prevalent example today of having, you know, kind of like taken an arm design and put it to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and turned it into like their own little little gym bunny monster. Yeah. And it does some pretty serious heavy lifting. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. You did. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I think. The exactly. Like they pushed the super on, on uh, the local the, power. Yeah. To the extreme. Yeah. But then you have the other side. Google could, could totally do it. And maybe as Google, the nature of Google's products become even more cloud based with a little bit locally. Um, that becomes a bigger need. Like maybe that's like where, you know, you don't want to have more distant partners. You want to have something that feels more integral to Google. But then I don't know, their products keep coming and going. It's like every time I think there's like a cool Google product, I feel like there's like a short life cycle and it drifts and mutates into something yeah. else. I mean, Google look, Google, Glass it's interesting though, because Google has done some edge computing stuff. Yeah. Like quite yeah. well. Like, for example, on Pixels, that ability to tell you what music is playing is not cloud-based. Right. It works with air in airplane mode. You can be anywhere, and it'll say, this is the song. 
And, you know, it only has a database of like, you know, a subset, maybe 10% of the music out there. But it's the stuff that's the most popular and that makes sense. Um, so just to be clear to the listeners, the Qualcomm wireless VR headset you saw, is that a, that's a prototype that they were showing here at GDC, right? Right. And I didn't even see it yet. So oh, okay. I, I was supposed so to see it. On, it exists. It exists. <laughs> and it's here. I'm going to be seeing it actually right after this. I was going to see it on Monday and then timing was crazy. I was like in. I was looking at uh, Facebook's VR, which we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah, well, let's, um, let's get into that. In Facebook's a VR. I said, I didn't say Oculus VR. I said right. Facebook's VR because it's Facebook's VR. Um, but yeah, it's a it, they built they have their own prototype uh, Qualcomm, uh, which it, it, they have these reference design headsets. Yeah, of course. But they do have a uh, they do have an OEM this time right off the bat, Pico Neo 2, which they were confident about 2019. But it sounds like there'll be some stuff coming in 2019, but like a lot of this stuff you know, you look at it rolling down the line, but Qualcomm's reference designer chips, they are, they are a good future predictor of VR headsets to come. Uh, their standalone came before Oculus Go, Snapdragon 820, the 835. I got people yelling back at me a little bit about this on, on Twitter, about whether the reference design really led to these headsets, but they <laughs> do. I mean, it's like Apple and laptops, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Do, you know, does it, doesn't, you know, they, they do their own secret sauce and, and magic, but, um, the 835 led to Lenovo Mirage Solo. Uh, it led to HTC Vive Focus and now Oculus Quest. Yeah. So 845, what's coming? Eye tracking last year that they showed with Toby, um, this idea. And so, you know, companies like Facebook, uh, HTC, they're not going to talk about what's coming and they're not no. going to want to admit that what Qualcomm laid out as a reference design is a roadmap to of the course. future. Yeah. Like, we'll make our own decisions, but we know. They, but they certainly, those are the those are the pieces to the puzzle. It's like a magician's bag of tricks. You know, it's like, well, you might have this, this, and this, then they'll probably include those elements. Yeah. It's like when your Apple announces a feature that you've seen in another phone, it's because those building blocks are there. And now Apple's finessing them and improving them and That's amplifying their thing, them. Right. right. And they go, attention to detail. you've seen this, but you haven't seen it, it like amazing. this. Yeah. So I think that that's, it's always cool to see that because it gives you a hint of what's going on. So I haven't seen the Oculus stuff, the right. Facebook stuff, the Quest stuff. Talk, I have. Talk about this then yeah. quickly. Tell me what's going on there. What's so different? What's new? So this is interesting. So first of all, Oculus Quest, which no one's really tried. I've gotten to try a couple of times and it's coming out this spring. We don't know exactly when, but... Um, you know, last year Oculus Go launched at F8 and um and we're sort of in the spring time frame, 399. That standalone headset, which is 835 Snapdragon based, has six degree of freedom tracking. Yeah. Um, and the demos I've had with it are great. It really feels like you wonder, is this a PC or is this a console? So now, it gives you kind of some of the experience of being tethered to a PC for VR. In yeah, a well, standalone device, right? Right. It gives you full motion and very smooth full motion. And, I, and for all the demos I tried, I didn't see it break. I didn't see any issues with it. The controllers are Oculus Touch controllers. Okay. They're modified. But I'll get to this in a sec. They really are going to be the same as the PC uh, going forward. So they have vibration feedback in the buttons. And I played Beat Saber yesterday, which is like, <laughs> you know, the killer app yeah, that people yeah, talk about. Of course. It was great. I mean, I was totally sweaty and exhausted. I don't, I don't know if you have to wipe down your headset afterwards. But I was They'd really do it for you. Right. Or like at home we hope. for fitness. <laughs> right. Like, what are you going to do with that? But I was super exhausted. It did not have problems with my arm motions. Everything was lightning fast. And that was a really good sign for this and, and, a, and a really great demo. But Quest is a mobile headset. Oculus is, has announced that they are, um, they said before that they're going to be curating that game library for Quest. 50 titles but not dumping everything in the world, including for their mobile platform, Go, that stuff won't be there. And 
developers are nervous and, and upset because what about the experimental VR stuff? Right. Well, what, what Facebook said at the event that I went to is that, so they also announced a PC headset, a new one, oh. the Rift S. And that's a refinement on the Oculus Rift that uses the same inside out tracking as the Quest. So they've, it actually created what looks like two increasingly parallel devices. The, the, and they didn't shy away from this. They were like, yeah, they're both $399. They both have camera-based tracking. They both use the same controllers. So these new touch controllers are cross-compatible. They announced that cross-buy and cross-play are going to be on both of them. Right. Up to the developers. But from here on in, it sounds like the goal is that if you're making a game for Rift, you better make sure it works on Quest as well. Got it. Which could really dampen how how ambitious games are made because Quest is mobile in the end. It's it looks good, but it is going to be optimized and more limited. So it begs a lot of questions here. Um, it sounds like they're trying to make them feel like a common platform, and they th- and they are. But but I think that's important because you see, it is important. I think if you look at the few people who use VR out there to play games yeah. for entertainment, you know, there's very few people who do it in a, in a dedicated space with a PC-based headset. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's a niche of a niche of a niche. And yes, that's where the high-end happens. I get that. In the same way as, you know, people build high-end gaming PCs. And, that's where, and it's how creators work. Also, it's how developers work. I also yeah. think that that's a very short-sighted thing. It's the model of the console. And yeah. we're switching away from that with, with Google and others with Stadia. We have to remember mobile is king. Absolutely. Mobile is what's going to democratize VR potentially. And you have to invest in it. If it's you Facebook. are a Rift creator, yeah. you should invest all your R&D. Like, sorry, uh, Oculus creator. You should invest all your R&D and not trying to run the fastest frame rate, highest resolution, best effects possible on a PC-based Rift. You should do that on a Quest or a Go. Because that's where the bread and butter is going to be. That's also if you can challenge, if you can fix those challenges, technically, it'll run a million times better on the PC version and the PC niche players will love it too. Right. So and Oculus Rift, their game development going forward is not about pushing more powerful graphics. Nate Mitchell was saying at this event and uh, Jason Rubin was there as well. The, the, the games... We'll push, we'll push similar power, and that's exactly the point. They want to create. Um, uh, they want to reach more people. Yeah, and it's Facebook. They're not about the PC. No, they. So the PC is there because it's still needed as a platform, and that's where the early access things are going to happen. And it sounds almost like a strategy that's happening with console now. It made me think about Nintendo Switch, which was curated, and or started very curated, and turned out just fine. They have a ton of of games. And I think it was a smart move for the Switch to be more curated at the beginning, working with developers who knew what they were doing, that yeah. they could vet out a little more, weren't dumping so much crap in there, and it developed a very strong library. They want that for Quest. And so so if developers, their answer to developers who might be listening and, and freaking out is they said, well, look, the Rift is there as your development platform. Do your early access things there. And then, like Steam, it reminds me of like Steam games, where you have experimental Steam games indie hits they become big and then you move over to saying we're also launching on switch we're launching on playstation 4 or whatever so i think that that's the goals and that's that makes a lot of sense to me you try it out on the pc and then you move to the quest but also the quest will be less forgiving 
because it doesn't have as much power if 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 the experiment gets a little outside of its boundary the pc will be like will be fine for you right but the quest will will, will really need you to optimize more and that's what i mean and that's going to bring better games yes because optimization always brings better games it will and they need that they need killer apps and um but the, the, then I look at these two headsets, I think about Qualcomm's announcement, the immediate thing I, I look at is I go, let's just make those two headsets fuse and become one. You know, let me just yeah, cross no, my I, eyes. I agree. Of course. And they know that too. They wouldn't in, say that specifically, but also, again, to be clear, Qualcomm just announced this at GDC and it's a reference design. So no one's ready to go there yet. And also price and everything else. I think Facebook, uh, Oculus, they're very price conscious. So the price of the Rift S actually has gone up a tiny bit, but it's all self-contained in the headset for tracking. But I don't think they want to go much higher. Right. And so when it comes to adding things like eye tracking, well, first of all, which would be a, a whole Pandora's box for Facebook. We're talking about <laughs> data tracking. There's a whole oh. big thing with eye tracking. Like what the hell's going to happen with your eyes and data? We're looking at it for enterprise right now, but it is pretty terrifying to think about what that extra data would be in the hands of you know, it's, it's like but they're not going there. It's yet. like Facebook and Portal. Like I right. actually have ex uh, friends of mine who worked with me at Pebble, who I hold in super high esteem, running uh, you know pretty high end, uh, pretty high up in the food chain on the Portal project. Yeah, and of course they're invested. It's their baby, right? But I'm like, I cannot go there. Like I cannot conceive of getting a hardware device from Facebook in my home when Facebook is messing so badly messing up so badly their business ball in terms of privacy and, and, and security and, and digging in, it seems. So, so like, to me, it's like, I want to see the technology advance, but at the same time, you got to draw a line somewhere. It's I like, that's the I, hardest I, part for I me. I think when portals it comes to bring in, like, if you look in the absolute vacuum, like the technology developer portal, the fact that the camera can track you and move and, and follow you. Of course you want that. That's how you do a good video call. I get it. But and, I, and Facebook side for that, that's a growing, they see that as an But as I part don't of the want AR it on future. the Facebook platform. It scares me to death that yeah. they are going to be able to see into my home because they already know so much. And maybe people are like, oh, you got to chill out. No, I don't think so. I don't. There are some companies with whom I'm willing to kind of be like, okay, but, but Facebook is not one of them. Talk and, about splitting up companies. That's what I want. I want that whole hardware group to be removed from Facebook. Yeah. Because I agree with you. The work that's done there is always fascinating uh to me at portal uh, i have not used but you know that is seen as an that is seen as connected to their ar um and vr world that that's a that's totally. an ar initiative for yeah. facebook yeah and but you look at it and you just think about well uh, I'm, I'm terrified about privacy facebook etc and that that has to be split that has to be split apart because whatever that that monster is on the one side uh that facebook is socially um that that shouldn't be the same as what's going on with the hardware and it's how i feel about oculus because oculus has been the i still think is the best vr all-around platform i think it's the most finesse they take the most care about the software to hardware integration yeah but being absorbed by facebook being within facebook it just becomes another thing that hangs over that it doesn't show in vr how do you decouple them I don't How know. How do you decouple I don't know. from Facebook Messenger? You can't. You can't. And if you're a, a consumer, it's always going to be in your head. And right now in VR for Facebook, they don't interact a ton. But 
it only seems like it's going to... I actually do have an answer to that question. It only seems like it's going to increase, and I really hope it doesn't. You decouple Portal from Facebook Messenger by making it work with WhatsApp. I would feel more comfortable with that. Or just decouple as much as possible, yeah. Like, allow it to... I mean, Google, Google, I guess, has those same things with with hardware and software, but somehow it just works. Well, also, Google's not in the situation that that Facebook has been. But... um, it's yeah, it's that's the mess of it. And it's hard because also Facebook uh, Oculus has had a lot of departures. And so people who've been following Oculus for a while have questions on whether it's the same vision, et cetera. But I think it's still a continuation of the same vision. I think it's just that you wonder what's the end of the road. Like, are we heading right into the into the gaping Facebook data mall right are we just becoming part of the are we just becoming the collected data um there's more to it than that but you know so as facebook is developing standalone hardware for oculus quest now we're dealing with totally in self-contained not not any other hardware you you want to have a a comforting leap for that yeah the magic leap Uh. you need to make the magic leap into it (laughs) but I, I think Oculus Quest, though, is one of the most exciting pieces of hardware I've seen in a while. It reminds me of Nintendo Switch. Uh, I'm really excited to play it more. Uh, and I don't know where it's all going to head. But I wrote about my impressions. On but I don't even, we don't know where anything's going to head. Where's, we don't know where anything's going to head. Where is Stadia going to head from Google, right? No. But if you don't have Oculus pushing VR right now, I'm worried. Uh, not worried. That's the wrong word. But I'm, I, I'd be concerned for anyone working in VR like, you know, Where's the push coming from? Because everything's getting more enterprise and it's getting I a little drifty. I am honestly, you know, as a game dev and somebody who's followed the mobile space, as you know, forever like you, I am actually absolutely not very enthused about VR. That's, you know, yeah. I'm enthused about the technology, like what we're doing with it, but I don't think there's an application yet other than very much niche, even for the, as I said earlier, of course, the PC super niche, but I'm talking even the portal and tell you why, because I think AR is it. I think HoloLens, I think Magic Leap, when they come down to the size of the glasses you and I are both wearing right now, right. that is the killer app. Well, That, that is, is what we want. That is it. it can be turned into VR by just closing the shutters, you know? And that's my point. It is, but I also... And we're so conscious. far from that. That's the thing, is that I look at this and I go, okay, I can see that. I know everybody is involved in AR. But I started to wonder... Will we get there? Because we there, will. there's like there's always the uncanny valley split. There's always like the, the difficulty when you try to get to that that point of the super finesse level that you want and it gets harder the, the, the you know the closer you get to it. We'll get there, but I think there are compromises that are clearly needing to be made that maybe haven't happened yet in terms of no, you know what I mean? All like, of this needs to happen. I'm not saying it like, doesn't. It'll never feel fo- you know, totally indistinguishable from reality. I'm just saying that anybody who bets yeah. a lot of money right now on yeah. VR becoming mainstream in the next few years is wrong. Yeah. I think well, it's, it's, an gonna be, it's, it's an offshoot. It's a technological playground, not playground, but uh, a place for us to experiment and advance technology and that's eventually going to lead us to AR. And it's a tool. It's, it's, it's one element. It's AR. Yeah, it's, it's blinded AR. Correct. It's all part of the same thing. And in some ways, as you said, Portal and other technologies, while well, phones ourselves, themselves are also helping that move that along with technologies like 5G, technologies like, you know, depth of, uh, you know, uh, time of flight and 3D depth cameras that are being put on everything front right. and back. Every phone in 2020, pretty much mid-range and up, will have a front and rear time of flight camera. Guaranteed. 
right? It's just a super connected world of, of like the, the, the phys- what, what you're doing to the digital and having that interplay is, is AR, but also will make VR better. So it's Correct. like, it's the thing at the other end, like VR, sure, it's the smoothest working idea of transporting you, but we're still missing the other end, like the telepresence part or the, you know, what, what is the shared universe we're doing in VR? Right now, it's a very solitary, maybe you find a few people that you're talking with in a room or in an app, but that's the Ready Player One missing part, or that's yeah. the that's the metaverse missing part is the metaverse. Like that, that and that's and to me that's that vibrant world. That's Google's <laughs> Stadia, right? That now. is that's, that's, that's exactly going, right? that Stadia is now. If that coming I can from, see you combine these two right. now, you might have some more mainstream pickup, right? Yeah, especially yeah. if you can jump modes. If you can go from the phone to the goggles in the same metaverse. VR is, VR is just the monitor you wear yeah. on your head. Exactly. Exactly. The yeah. actual yeah. cyberspace is, 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 has always been somewhere else. It's starting. Yeah. We thought we had it. We, we didn't. We're we getting didn't. it again. We're in getting a new, it again in, right. the, in the way we've imagined it in sci-fi, I think. Uh, I want to switch to NVIDIA Jetson Nano because I think you, we just talked about cool hardware. And yeah. I think this is like a Raspberry Pi-like board on steroids for $99. And I think it's very interesting. I haven't even really been following well, all this. Well, um, I have an article here from our friends at Engadget. Um, and basically, it's, it's designed for, for DIY enthusiasts. So it's like, a, it's like a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. And it's just more powerful as NVIDIA GPU processing on it. That's cool. Course. That's really cool. Right? So you can... That's uh, a smart move. You can, do, you can put that on a robot and maybe have a, LIDAR, a, a cheap, a poor man's LiDAR and yeah. have it process some stuff, you know, on the GPU side. And for $99, you know, so it's got a, a nano, a 128 core Maxwell based GPU, which is obviously what their bread and butter is, and, and, and an ARM A57. So what I think is good about this is that it's still super affordable, power efficient. Yeah. But you as a, as an, as a DIYer, as a maker, as, an, cool. as a home hobbyist, can now have a NVIDIA GPU that's not bound to an Intel chip. Take that and or, find a way to pop to it a into tablet, like to a to a consumer device. It's basically you know a piece of hardware you could put in anything. I wonder if you pop that into a Sphero rover. You know that? Why not? I, I, that Sphero initiative, I, I that's coming out later this year. That little rolling Sphero robot that was super cool because yeah, yeah. they were opening that up to add your own Raspberry Pi and other things on top, kind of like their Misty robot. And they say you know, add your own add your own board. And they want it to be open. You could add one of these things. I need to read up to see if it's Raspberry Pi pin compatible, if it and, and port compatible. If it is, then add your little uh, room sensing camera, your uh, uh, Azure Connect somehow. <laughs> yeah, one Azure. of those or totally. the uh, occipital. Uh, what's the name of their new structure sensor? The one that, that that's like, uh, is it the core? Uh, yeah, I think it's actually of all these little pieces. That's a cool. That's a that's a cool device. So I just want to mention yeah. it. We do have a, cool a bit. Lim- we're we're a bit limited on time, but I want to cover all the Apple stuff real quick. Oh so yeah, we have right. about we have about ten fifteen minutes. Okay. So, in a nutshell, three so far. <laughs> it's Wednesday. Every day they've surprised us with something new. Monday was new iPads, newish iPads. Tuesday, yeah, new, new Tuesday was updated iMacs yep. and Mac. No iMacs only. There were some configuration changes on the MacBook and Mac Minis, it turns out, as well. Yeah. Uh, mostly drops in price on the SSDs, but that's configuration only. Uh, and then today, a bunch of uh, finally new AirPod version 2s with a new wireless chip and a, an optional wireless case. Yes. I want you to talk about the iPads, if you can. 
Yeah. So all these things have just been dropping very fast. Clearing the deck, I guess, for next week. Uh, I, I will not be at that Apple event, but I have colleagues who are, and uh, it should be about video streaming and who knows what else. Like, but but clearly, maybe it'll be the Google Stadia Apple edition. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're going to surprise us with something crazy like that. I think it's a big play. Not Google, not play. I don't think it's going to be game, but I think it's, it might be like that for, for, for video. Apple, we need a name for that. It'll definitely be a platform play to, to something more fundamental, I think, uh, than just TV. And then the question is, how will that look like? But the iPads, so there are five iPads now. And they're, uh, they're so adding let's go to through the, them. Yeah, they're adding to the line, much like the MacBooks. So let's go through them because it's getting a little bit squirrely now. You've got the 9.7-inch entry-level iPad. That came that out. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. That got pencil support got added last year. Yeah. All the iPads now have pencil support, right. which is nice. Of some kind. Yeah. That, uh, um, no, well, all pencil support, but the question is which pencil. That's exactly. what I'm saying. Of yeah, some yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's nice. 9.7-inch iPad. That's like the same price, same thing. A10 processor. Then you've got the Mini. The Mini, uh, the new Mini... They had an updated Mini since 2015. Uh, that had an A8 processor. This now is an A12 processor, so it's like the iPhones last year. Yeah. Um, $399, though, to start. So that's not cheap if you're shopping for a kid. This is not a kid. Kids kids and iPad Minis are a good combo, I know from experience. But, like, that, you have to buy a budget model or get a Kindle Fire or something else. Uh, that's it. So it's, like, really seems to be high-end designed. But it's still the same old design. Still got the bezel, still got Touch ID, still got the headphone jack. The headphone jack's nice to have. Touch ID is still has lightning. Still has lightning. So it's the same same design. It's what they've done with a lot of their models where they drop in new components to an old chassis. Yeah, but then it's like three ninety nine, which is I mean that's not not hyper expensive, but it's also not cheap. And um, the A twelve is nice to have. The iPad Air, which is where this lineup now gets confusing. The Air is back, but just understand it as if you've been following the iPad line, it's the 2017 iPad Pro. The, the smaller one of the two. The, the 10.5 10. 10. inch. inch. It's, it's the 10.5 inch iPad Pro, which is a great iPad Pro. Uh, they have removed ProMotion, so it doesn't uh -huh. have the 120 hertz refresh. Uh, refresh. Or what did they add? Uh, it has an A12 processor. So it's faster. Yes, but it's not the X. So, you know, the X chips. Yeah, yeah. Add an extra graphics boost, but the A12 should still be fast and should be faster. And that's four ninety nine, but that seems like the best middle ground. That's like the four ninety nine is like and it's the same, right? Fingerprint, Touch ID, so Touch ID, Lightning, headphone, headphone jack, jack, Lightning, headphone same jack, same display, bezels in the same, same display right? and bezels. Design. But the be it's not so bezel-y as the iPad Mini. It's, no. it, it seems like but a it better uses bezel. It the same accessories as the, uh, the previous iPad. And it uses the iPad Pro. The 2017 iPad Pro Smart Connector. So it's got the keyboard got options. Right. We could also do Bluetooth. It's got all that in cases. Then you have the iPad Pro line that was in Which last year. is the same. Yeah, those are the same. But those also have Face ID, USB-C. Um, pencil 2 support. Pencil 2 support. Which all the other smart, ones are pencil Different one smart one. connector. Different smart connector that's in the back. And that's the thing. That's the other crazy thing is that the iPad Pros have the snap-on pencil that's more nicely designed with a tap control that can yeah, add an yeah. extra function. The others have the one that you have to uncap the back, yeah, yeah. plug it in like a dagger, and have it pop out the iPad to charge. Um, I mean, good that you can still use those old pencils 
and find a use. But the fact that the pencils are not cross compatible and you now have some of the line using lightning with headphone jacks and touch ID <laughs> and some of them not yeah. is confusing. And you, you end up with a ton of, a ton of iPads. I think it definitely takes the shine off of the 11 inch iPad pro yeah. where you say, I don't know, everything's incremental with price. So you have a 499 iPad air then you have a 799 iPad Pro. Some people might look at that and go, eh, I'll spend a little bit more. Everything seems calculated to be like drifting up the price scale. But I think at some point you gotta get off. You gotta get off the train and not keep spending more if you're buying one of these things. So like 499 seems like the point to stop. Yeah. The iPad Pro, sure they look nice, but they need what they really need is the software and the USB-C flexibility to turn those into the thing you want them to be. Right. Like, you can't attach external drives. You can't do the flexibility with USB-C that you, you think you would. It's more... Right now, i found that the iPad Pro with USB-C is a little more parallel to Lightning in that Lightning has dongles for video out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff Absolutely. like that. You can actually... And as, and as a Lightning to USB adapter, you can handle a bunch of stuff. It's not, it's not fun to buy an iPad when you know the future is already present yeah, and you go, well now when are they going to flip the switch on the rest of so that? <laughs> that sucks. I, I think it's a that's, that's the breakdown of the lineup. I, I, I'm still not amused at the fact that Apple persists with lightning and large bezels. Um, but on I the am, mini, it's on the mini, it's on, painful. On these new iPhone, on the, uh, on these new iPads. I think that it's nice so that they're drawing a clear line between the pro line and the regular line, even though, as you said, the Pro should support my storage and all that other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's Apple. I mean, what do you do? It's like it's it's like every time you see a step where like where they should be like where they should be at, they need to they need to sell hardware at three intermediate steps before that and right. make money, and that's what annoys me about it. It's like, you know, that's why I like the iPhone 10 so much because it was finally, you know. Oh, we have parity with what Android phones have been bringing to the table. And in some ways, we surpass on Face ID. Yeah. Right? But but finally, a phone that felt competitive, felt modern, right? But now they're iterating on that. And we're probably not going to see much change for a long time. And it bothers me. Not until the, not it, until the folding it, phone in 5G world shakes out. It really out. bothers yeah. me that Apple takes so many intermediate steps for everything to milk everything. I don't like it. It's like... At this pace, Huawei and Samsung are moving, and clearly, I think to the, this year, if you're in the U.S., the Galaxy line from the 10e, S10e to the S10 Plus are absolutely the best choice. Yeah. I, I hate to say this, but the only iPhone I would buy right now is the, the 10R. I've said I don't want forever because I really think great. It's, it's the best bang for your buck, and it's still a great phone. Yeah. Um, but why bother with the 10s and the 10s Max when you have like a Galaxy S10 Plus and a Galaxy S10 out there? Even the Galaxy S10e is, I think, a better choice than the iPhone XS, in my opinion. Right. Okay? Well, the 10e really, like, really laid down uh, a direction for Apple too about where they could go with their not yeah. budget, but the 750 phone is to say, you know, you could still go, you go further with that. Samsung, yeah. Samsung did a, a more polished, future forward. Direction. And I think, you know, Huawei is about to launch the, the P30 next week. Yeah. Um, I'll be in Paris for that. So I think we're going to need another leapfrog forward because Huawei has really been showing how to create hardware that's got everything in the kitchen sink in it for the last two, three years. So um, 
If you're hearing a bit of construction behind us, it turns out that this hotel room, apparently, uh, they're digging to come and get us <laughs> or something. Um, you might not hear it, but uh, we're going to let it go. Um, I want to touch on the, on the, the other news. That I, I'm, I mean, obviously, this you, I don't know more than you. I'm just reading yeah. other people's news at yeah. this point. What's your thought on the iMac updates? Very incremental, 8th gen chips. I follow a little bit. I think it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty incremental. I mean, it's like just keeping them, you know, the, the thing that with, with Macs has always been like versus PCs, uh, getting the processing power, the graphics or the options that people feel like they can, they, they have the flexibility to do that. Um, it's it's I'm, about time though that we got the 8th gen core chips on a, on iMac. Yes, it's absolutely. Been like, what, two years since they updated? Or well, yeah. So, I mean, I think those are like pretty straightforward. For me, it, it's like I'm just, it, it becomes harder for me to focus on Mac when I know that the iPad needs to become part of the Mac universe. Yeah. So, every year that I see Mac updates, I am like, well, that's good that they did that. But I but feel that's so different with the iMacs. I agree with you on the MacBooks. Oh, and the iMacs. I feel is the different. iMacs, like right now, I mean, I'm just. I feel like as a Mac user yeah. and a longtime Mac fan that Apple is really not delivering on the Mac platform in terms of hardware upgrades and, and the things we really want, especially on the laptops. Well, we're still supposed and, to have that modular Mac Pro. Right. That and that's coming. It's coming. But it was, <laughs> when? There was that <laughs> sit-down story that they had had with Phil Schiller a couple outlets and like, you know, when is that going to happen? So maybe that's... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this year, maybe next year. I think the, the thing that's exciting to oh, me... Oh, what are they doing in this bit? Like it's getting gonna... worse. I tell you, they're getting closer to us. Yeah, they're digging to find us. It's getting with the giant <laughs> drill. Yeah. Just entering um, the room. I think what's interesting to me about the iMacs more pragmatically is, yeah, they updated them. It was due, you know, big deal. Go to apple.com and check out the spec changes. My big excitement thing about it is the iMac entry level 27-inch, the Core i5 is now a six-core. So yeah. you're going to immediately see an improvement in performance if you do anything compute intensive. Yeah. So if you've been holding off to buy an iMac, that was the time to do it because it probably won't get updated for another two or three years. That's mm -hmm. the thing, it's a totally safe upgrade time and it's always nice to see, if you're thinking about buying stuff, especially when the prices stay equivalent, it's always nice to wake up one morning and see that the specs have been upgraded. Because you go, oh, thank goodness I didn't just buy, you know, I know people who were buying the other iPads and they go, oh wait, they just updated to this. So. It, it, that's a that's a it's never a bad thing. I've so. had my iMac for a year and a half, so I think I feel I'm okay. I, okay. I, I had it early enough in the cycle that I don't feel too too slighted. What do you think of those i uh, those AirPod Gen two? I mean, we don't know much about them other than they have better battery life because of the new wireless chip, and they have a wireless charging. Just option. popped out of nowhere. Well, so there, there are some subtle differences, like. It clearly like not AirPods 2 in like all caps. This is like a like a stealthy update. It's got the wireless case, which you can buy extra and on its own. It's expensive. Seventy nine bucks. Seventy nine dollars. Although like that's also it. They're they're folding in the price of the case itself because yeah, like, yeah. the AirPods are you get that in the case. Um, but now it's like uh, one one fifty nine without the wireless and case. One ninety nine. That's with the a wireless lot case. of money. Yeah, it is a lot. you're gonna lose. Yeah. So that case for the wireless charge option, you're paying up. You don't have to get the wireless charge option. The AirPods themselves have an H1 chip, so the idea is that it has Hey Siri, so you could talk. You just automatically summon Siri. The touch controls are the same though, which is a little frustrating. It does have a uh, 30% more battery life for 50. Yeah, we'll get to that. There's some, there's yeah. some cool things that it does with, with on a couple of fronts there. The the tap control. I'm a big 
touch control person. So like same tap controls and no volume controls there. You have to do Hey Siri, but uh, oh, oh well. Um, apparently, um, uh, battery life for main calls has improved. So three hours versus two hours. Right. Uh, the um, connectivity is supposed to be faster with that chip. So not if, that that was ever an issue. And, and uh, switching devices a little oh, bit. Okay. Yeah, but they said like uh, taking calls or switching devices or gameplay lag. They said. Oh, super, that's. And I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, I haven't been thinking about that. I they might be that. implementing Bluetooth five. They might be, although it wasn't mentioned. Well, right they wouldn't there. because you know it's their wireless chip. But you're right. It's special sauce. It's only Bluetooth when you connect yes, it to another, right. probably to a non-iPad de- Apple device. You know how it is. You know it's Bluetooth. It no could matter very what, well could very well be that. Um, and I just woke up to to catch up on all this. Yeah, me too. The um, same, still just white, um, and and that's kind of the whole story. Were there any audio improvements? I don't. Think I, there I don't were. think so. I mean, I think they said phone calls are supposed to handle better um but yeah they're airpods they're airpods with um with some with some nice updates not all the ones that you might have been looking forward to based on rumors um nothing in terms of a sportier design or or different fit uh no different colors and no no uh no addressing audio like they're not trying to get to any pro ear level right yeah for sound yeah they could very well have a pro version of AirPods at some point, but then again, you're going to be talking about 30, 159, 199. So those would be a super pro price. So I don't know. That's, you know, I think most people are still wondering, do they pay money for wireless headphones in the first place? But they're one of the few price competitive. That's a really price competitive set of headphones. Anyhow, like those are not, yeah, those are not bad. I just want to have a few extra features that are still missing on them. My big issue with the AirPods is the sound quality. I can't deal. And, they're acceptable. And I know that's not what they're for. Most people yeah. take phone calls with them. I get it. But I'm not... I don't want something in my mirror all the time to take phone calls. First of all, I don't make phone calls that much. And secondly, for me, it's about wireless music. And they don't... don't they deliver convenience out the kazoo and performance yeah, but they're in not terms going of for, wireless connectivity. They're but, not going for that but super... But the sound fidelity. is just not there. I just don't... I just feel that Apple could do so much better. With the success of AirPods... For 200 bucks, I would have expected the iPods, the AirPods 2 to bump up the sound quality or something. Well, maybe the fact that they didn't even really call them AirPods. They're just... I feel like they just said, like, new AirPods. New AirPods, side, right? Yeah. Maybe that's still... Maybe they're still leading yeah. up to that. Because I knows? feel like there needs to be something... That that product has done very well for them, and it's become a, a big success. So like, they should, they should attend to making some sort of premium device for those who care about that and want to pay up for that sound quality i don't know that that's where you say go for it you know it's like that's that's a maybe even more so than apple watch that's an area where i think people have a clear need yeah and they go i want my wireless i want my i want better noise canceling or audio quality or whatever it is fitness functions um yeah. yeah, I'd like to see that as a direction. Me too. But it's a big question. Like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, yeah. what's tomorrow? Are there going to be more Apple products tomorrow? I so I, they've been talking about... Where's AirPower? No, there's been talking on an, an, an iPod Touch for, uh, upgrade, update. So maybe they'll drop tomorrow. Stay maybe. tuned, because by the time this is published, uh, you will know what yeah, happened you'll know what on happened. Thursday and Should Friday predictions? of Everybody. Apple Week. What about iPhone <laughs> SE? Why don't they just update that? Uh, I heard I a story like, about I that in like, the spring. I, I think that's more complicated. They need to go... I want to see them keep the chassis size by go full screen 
you know, with uh, if necessary, with the notch. Keep the chassis and just drop like an uh, A11 in there. You, you need this. You need the screen and the notch. It, it needs to be the new UI, the new way. It can't think? just be a new screen. It can't be the same form factor. That have you used an iPhone SE? Yes. Used, it's way too small. You can't type on it. But there are people who still want a small phone. Yeah, but keep the chassis. It's about the chassis side, not the display Well, that's side. the mini. That's also like the mini. Is the question? Do you want so, it with the smaller device? So what if they come out with an iPod Touch that is? has a face ID and has a full screen and a How notch. expensive will that be? And because economies are scaled, they managed to scale down, it's LCD based like the uh, the 10R, and then they use that as the stepping stone to make a new iPhone SE. Well, that would be cool, uh, but uh, I just feel like if, if Apple's really about like, if when they pass the value on and they're using old, the older technology like Touch ID, and that allows you to keep the price down, I'd rather have that and if they, I don't know if they would include Face ID and these other things and then bump the price up and then you go, well, wait, now this is the more affordable iPhone, but now it's at a price that's all the other iPhones. Let's so, see what happens. Let's yeah. see what happens. We need to wrap it up. Fun. I need to, uh, I want to mention a few things for the audience. Um, the, so I don't know if you heard of this company, Siren Labs. Uh, they're an Israeli company. They make a crypto blockchain phone called the Fini. And you know, there's been a bunch of crypto blockchain phones announced and I'm always rolling my eyes and going, yeah, whatever. But I met those guys at MWC uh, and it was kind of an interesting timing because they said, hey, our phone has actually just got FCC approval and it's officially coming to the US. Uh, we're gonna be selling it. Like right now you could buy it in many parts of the world, but it wasn't officially certified for US networks yet. So they got certification and they said, hey, would you like a device? I'll say, I said, yes, you don't say no to trying out a phone, especially a weird niche phone like that. And I have to say, and this is the takeaway here, is that this phone is actually pretty nice. Um, and of course, it has a cold storage wallet, which is a big deal, because it means it can, uh, you know, securely store your, your whatever cryptocurrency and blockchain stuff you want to store. So that's, that's what the, the, the Fini is from Siren Labs. Um, it's, it's expensive, it's $9.99. But you get a Snapdragon, you get a pretty premium phone, Snapdragon 845, really good camera, nice display, big batteries. It's a flagship phone from basically 2018, spec-wise. And you get this cold storage wallet with a secondary display that slides up that's like a, basically a separate piece of hardware for all the blockchain auth and, and, and Bitcoin and whatever else you want to put in there. So it's, it's very cool. Um, there's an unboxing, that's why I'm bringing it up. Check it out on my YouTube channel. Uh, I'll put a link in the description below. And then I want to quickly update people on other devices. I've got a MateBook X Pro laptop, the revised version 2019 specs. And that is also on my YouTube. I've got a couple of new smartwatch tick watches, the Pro and the C2. And I got to play with that HP Folio Spectre leather laptop. So check all that out uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, link in the description below. Scott, please tell the world where they can find you on the internet. Um, you can find me on CNET.com. You can find me Twitter at JetScott. And those are the main places. Yeah. Do you have I'm an Instagram? I do, but I'm like never on no, it. No, never on it. I mean, I think it's also JetScott. So Jet you can Scott. look for me. You can find like a couple of bowls of like uh, vegetables and like things I grill. And that's about it. Um, All right. Yeah. So uh, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, just like the comic book, drop the vowels. Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash My full name spelled out. You can find my name on my Twitter account if you don't know how to spell it. 
lots of content there, additional videos, unboxings, hands-on, that kind of stuff that go with the podcast. And of course, the podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com. That's mobiletechpodcast.com. Subscribe, tell your friends, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, tell your friends, et cetera, et cetera, share the love. Most importantly, um, I want to remind you all that we're on all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, et cetera. And I want to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Audible is the place to go for audiobooks. They're a great platform for audiobooks, lots of selection. Uh, What I love the best about it, honestly, is that some authors read their own books so you get to hear it from their own voice which i think is really cool um so if you want to support the podcast um please join audible there's a link in the show notes in the description below that will uh basically let you get 30 day free trial and at the same time help the podcast so if you're interested in uh, joining uh, uh, the best in my opinion audiobook platform out there audible.com please check out that link uh, it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And that's it, folks. We'll have another show next week, uh, hopefully directly from the uh, Huawei P30 event in Paris. So stay tuned for that. And we'll catch you next time. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.